Welcome back, manifestors, to Manifest Destiny. It is your host, Belair, joining you with, say your name, Rebecca. Rebecca, we haven't introduced ourselves in so long. <laughs> I know. If you, I if, love when you do the intro, because you really do like take your time with it. You make sure that any new guests like know who we are. Like uh-huh. I always just bail right through uh-huh. into the gossip. But you like, you know, you like to tease us in. Yeah. And I appreciate that about you. I'm a delight. People do like that. Um, yes, so we're loving that. And I'm just drinking a strong, strong drink on a Friday afternoon. What about you, Rebecca? How was your week? It was a week. I did things. I'm drinking a nice, stiff gin and tonic right now, feeling much better about life and my prospects. I've got to go to another wedding this weekend, so I'm not overjoyed about that. But it's my last one. This is the end of wedding season for me, so. I just got uninvited from a wedding. So I'm... Did you do something or is it COVID? Well, I said no to going to the bachelorette party. And then, and then I think it's like somewhat COVID related. Like she has a huge family and she like does need to cut numbers. But I think there was an element that was like, yikes, fuck you for not flying to Charleston for 36 hours. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't need it. It's kind of a two birds, one stone scenario. I will, I'll send you a gift. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I felt like nervous that I'm going to be uninvited to weddings for abstaining from bachelorette parties before. It's kind of my MO. People hate me, but... Yeah, no, Rebecca, you should just go on them. They can be really fun. Just... I have severe social anxiety. And you have how social would I be anxiety? And to record and produce so many podcasts if I went to bachelorette parties? Eye on the prize, Blair. We're not going to have live shows unless one of us stays focused. You're making a lot of good points. God knows it's not going to be I am the backbone me. of this podcast. Let it never be said that I am the back. Not that anyone's ever said that I'm the backbone of this podcast, but they have not. We should give it. You should give you a shout. It is. It is nice. But you are the queen of it's, poorly cropped memes, and we're that, thankful that's, and grateful. That's true. And you're really good. You are definitely a superior introduction giver. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got your own strengths. We've ever got you know different yeah, strokes. Yeah, and for I have my folks. signature sign off. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened before, stay tuned. Stay <laughs> tuned. You're in for a treat. It's really it's something good. special. You um, really did that with so little thought, too. Like, you just knew how to, how to end a podcast. It's yeah. a hard thing. I'm very intuitive it's, when it comes yeah. to podcasting. <laughs> We're just out here releasing things into the ether and hoping that someone finds it at least informative. Listen, I have been, you know, on my astrology journey, but... For the first time this last week, I really felt it. Like the moon was the full, moon. and mm-hmm. I was feeling some type of way, and it really felt astrologically. Well, it was immune. a it was a Pisces full moon. Oh, I wasn't so even going to bring so up emotional. the full. Yeah, exactly. The Pisces full moon had everybody feeling. Oh my god, I was feeling sorts. all sorts of things because yeah. So it's a water sign. It brings up things from the past. It brings up feelings of guilt. And oh like, my god, yes, it brings up a lot of stuff. Are you my therapist? I know. I mean, I'm just telling you that if you had a weird week, it's because you feel like there's just a lot of things you haven't let go of and you have to forgive yourself. So that's the thing about the Pisces moon is you have to forgive yourself before you even think about forgiving other people. Wow. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) There was just dead air for a second. (laughs) But yeah, but to me, I think the Pisces moon is really about releasing the anger yeah i really want to go to one of those like rec rooms where you can just like smash a bunch of shit with protective gear on it seems like a good time to do that bravo work through some shit bravo shows never stop promoting that like every single terrible bravo show i watch the the my my stories my vanderpump rules my real housewives (laughs) They're constantly... Did you just refer to them as your stories? They are. They're my stories. They're my characters. You are my grandmother. But literally, they they just always are finding weird excuses to go to those, either the wrecking them room, the room where you wreck everything, and they're like... I hate men. I whatever. That's that's like a, that speaks to my soul. I I mean, it does seem fun. But when Bravo Should we do that for the next company party? Oh, next company retreat is one of you pay $300 to like smash a bunch of old TVs. I'd be down. Uh-huh. I'd be I'd be down. That would you 
That pays for itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's like one trip to the psychiatrist's office and probably does a lot more good. So probably exactly the same amount of money then. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We've covered a lot of ground in five minutes. (laughs) Oh, I think we're just stalling because we both have really short IDs today. So this might be a short episode, but you'll take what you can get and you'll like it. Okay. And you will like it. We We took that long break to remind you guys. How important the, it is. So we're the captain now. Yeah. We've always been the captain. <laughs> We've always been the captain. You thought you were in charge of our our recording? No. Yeah, you guys, like, thought you had a nice schedule and, like, we had a website. Yeah. We were doing stuff by the book. Like, no. That's not what we're here for. No. We're here for chaos. We're here for absolute women And laughs and facts. And laughs and facts. Okay. Rebecca, you want to take it away? Tell, give us some, um, give us some context for what is unintentionally going to be in a Native American-themed episode? Yeah. Today I'm talking Mount Rushmore. I don't know really how or why I went down this path, but one day when I couldn't sleep, I woke up and you know what was not sitting right on my soul? Mount Rushmore. I'm like, when did that happen? Why did someone just decide this was something we're going to do? It feels like such a deeply American thing to do. Like we're going to take a rock face and carve our president's faces into it. But it really got me thinking like, how did this actually come about? And turns out, like most things in American history, it's a winding road. There are twists, there are turns, there are shock cameos. Like, just you wait for the shock cameo. Okay, that I cannot wait for. What's your background at Mount Rushmore? Have you ever been? I've never been, sadly. Um, I haven't either. But I do love the concept that America is so big that, like, every 200 miles, people just have to put random crap off the side of the road because, so you'll get off the highway. That's literally what this was conceived as, so I'm so glad you brought that up. It's, but it's literally, like, my friends that have, I've never driven cross country, sadly, that'll definitely be a company retreat someday. (laughs) We just go sea to shining sea together. Oh my god, and an (laughs) RV that we could call a manifest destiny. Yes, yes. Talk about live shows, we could take it on the road. (laughs) we'd be like Forrest Gump where people just started joining us and staying with us for a while. This is why we need sponsors, guys. We need to sponsor us. We've got big dreams of westward expansion and we need your help. So true. But anyway, yeah, so I am obsessed with the overall concept that there's like world's biggest hamburger is off the highway (laughs) or just like, oh, there's a giant Gumby. Take a picture with it. Like that is capitalism slash that fake ass Prada store in the middle of like Galveston, Texas. Oh yeah, Marfa. I mean, there you go. Marfa. Yeah. Weird. I mean, I, the Marfa installation I think is cool. That's probably the least random thing that you can find. I mean, it's a marketing stunt, just like all of this stuff. Just like the Declaration of Independence. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our mind-blowing episode on the Declaration of Independence. Not the Declaration of Independence, the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, I wow. th- I was like, what is she talking did we about? Do, did we steal the Declaration of Independence? I, I meant like, the Pledge of Allegiance. The gin and tonic is working. Yeah. Okay, take it away. Okay, so, little background for you. Under the 1868 Treaty of Fort Laramie, the U.S. government signed over the territory that Mount Rushmore is included in. This is the Black Hills. And the at the time, the Indian tribe that was predominantly using the land were the Lakota Sioux. And the Lakota Sioux referred to this stretch of the Black Hills as the Six Grandfathers or Cougar Mountain. So, so rich area there for puns, yes. for worship, whatever you want, whatever you choose. And the U.S. government promised the Sioux that so long as the buffalo may range thereon in such numbers as to justify the chase, they would have control over this Black Hills area. And the Lakota are amped about this because the Six Fathers is a very important landmark for the Lakota. It's a stop on the spiritual journey that their leader, Black Elk, took. They consider it the center of the universe of their people. I mean, this is like the spot for the Lakota Sioux. But just a question, so is it called the Six Fathers for any six, reason? Is it, are there like six The peaks? Six Grandfathers, yes. Um, it's like the four elements plus, I believe it's like primary directions, I want to say. It's obvi- like most Native American things, it's very tied to the land and anthropomorphizing the land is having, you know, different spirits. So sure. very much like the center well, of... We'll take you one anthropomorphized land concept and we, and we will and turn it into it. an actual... Living carving of men. Yes, we are very literal in the United States of A. So 
Basically, this is all well and good for the Lakota until in 1877, just a few years later, when settlers discover gold on the Sioux land. And then it all just became a big hot mess. So the minute gold was found, the federal government was like, you need to give back the Black Hills. Like, you can't actually have this anymore. Fuck what we said about the buffalo. Like, we want this land back. This obviously results in war. And you have actually, in 1890, the Battle of Wounded Knee or the Wounded Knee Massacre because they just killed hundreds of unarmed women and children. I mean, just like mowed down by U.S. troops with guns. Like, just an absolute bloodbath, unfair like just horrific so yeah basically the land was wrestled back out of control of the lakota sioux after being like promised in a legitimate american u.s drawn-up treaty that they would have control of this land so classic sure. uh before the wounded knee massacre in around like 1855 there was a prospecting excursion out to the area and that was attended to by a man named bill chalice um another man whose name was david swansea and here's our little cameo David Swansea is the husband of Carrie Ingalls. As in Laura Ingalls Wilder's mother or daughter? As in her sister. So she's like the real Laura. Or like, what's the other girl's name? Carrie was Laura's younger sister. In the books, it was Carrie? Yeah, wasn't Carrie the one on um, on the banks of Plum Creek that like had the blindness? Oh my God. So the real- Carrie's husband- (laughs) David Swansea is instrumental in Mount Rushmore. Wow. That is a deep cut. Like a deep fucking cut. I saw Carrie Ingalls and I was like, I'll be damned if the Ingalls aren't involved in this story. Like that is the future that Pa envisioned. Like. Wow. Pa. Oh my gosh. Pa. Pa. The original daddy. Oh my God. Yeah. Why hasn't someone done like a smutty reboot of Little House in the Prairie? I'm sure it's in production. Ooh, it better be. If not, freebie for Manifest yeah. Destiny. We exactly. would love we to would see love, that happen. We'd love to write it as well. Contact so us. David Swansea, a.k.a. Mr. Carrie Ingalls, and this guy Bill Chalice, along with their wealthy investor friend, Charles E. Rushmore, start prospecting the land. And Charles E. Rushmore, who just sounds like the, the classic toxic white male, is like, you know what, fellas? We should name this mountain after me. And they were like, LOL, Charles, that will be hilarious. And then they decide, yes, they are going to do that. So... This historian, whose name was Doanne Robinson, decides that this is around like 1923. You know, 1920s, everyone's drinking too much. They're really feeling their oats. They're like, we should do something to promote tourism in South Dakota. (laughs) And he knew about this guy down in Georgia who'd carved likenesses of Confederate leaders into the side of Stone Mountain. And he was like, I want to do that in South Dakota. And and initially, this guy, Doanne, wanted to have it to be like, classic um western figures like buffalo bill and people like that Mm -hmm. um but they ultimately decided not to go in that direction so in 1924 robinson persuades this sculptor whose name was gutson borglum and his birthday was march 25th what is that a pisces march 25th no that's aries so as always we're always getting these aries in american history yeah I feel like I just always repeat myself, but yeah, they're, you know, they're the sign of beginnings of initiation. They're really passionate and straightforward. You know, they're love and it's, and it's a, it's a party sign. They are okay. fun. Well, this guy's the worst. Okay. Um, That's okay. He, yeah, his name is Gutsan Borglum and he was the one that did this Confederate stone mountain sculpture. He was a good friend of the French sculptor Rodin. Oh, he was the son of Rodin? Like Rodin? Rodin Auguste Rod- Rodin. Isn't that the man? R-O-D-I-N? Yeah, Rodin. Rodin. Wait. Rodin? How are they related, though? He was a friend of him. Oh. They were buddies. Oh, I was like Gutsan Borglum gotcha. and Auguste Rodin were buddies. <laughs> okay, okay, you got it. But me. the more important fact about Borglum was that he was involved with the KKK. So the man is bad. This is not a good man. He might have been a cool sculptor, but he was also... A white supremacist so we don't love to see it but basically the original plan was they were going to create these carvings into these, these granite pillars that were known as the needles um and they were near present-day mount rushmore but borglum realized that the needles were too thin and they were too eroded and they weren't going to support the kind of sculpture he wanted so he chose mount rushmore um which at this point by 19 i believe it was 1930 they'd officially renamed the six grandfathers, Mount Rushmore, after Charles E. Rushmore, friend of David. 
So the so the name change preceded the sculptures. No, the sculpture was signed into commission before the name change. Actually, okay, gotcha. gotcha. Um, but like it was all happening at the same time. So the Mount Rushmore construction started. The project was officially approved in 1925, and the naming didn't go through until 1930. Though I think people were referring to it as Mount Rushmore by that point because it was just like logistical paperwork to get it renamed. And like yeah. Charles E. Rushmore had been going around telling everyone this is his mountain, like a dick. Mm-hmm. So initially, the plan was to make Mount Rushmore like full body sculptures. Like they oh. want this to be like heads and bodies. Oh, okay. That which, changes like, things. And it's unsettling. Like something about it being headless, and maybe it's just because it's what we're used to, I'm fine with. But the idea of there being like whole ass bodies, like the Colossus of Alexandria or the Colossus of Babylon, whatever that Colossus was, does not sit well on my soul. It just makes me feel uncomfortable i did like that i saw this political cartoon once that was like the back of mount rushmore and it was like all the president's butts hanging out like their heads were in like uh i found that meme today it's like the from the canadian side perspective and it's like their butts uh hilarious we gotta get that on the gram people need to see this the the people need to see it. it's the height of sophisticated humor yeah exactly so, basically, they picked the presidents. Borglum selected the presidents because they're of their specific roles in preserving the Republic. And I'll get into that in a minute, what they all specifically represented. But basically, like, the first snafu was that they were supposed to put Thomas Jefferson on George Washington's right. But once they started construction, they realized the rock wasn't stable enough. So they ended up moving Jefferson. They actually, like, blasted the whole original Jefferson away and moved him to Washington's left instead. So that's, like, a fun mm-hmm. BTS fact. Okay. In 1933, the National Park officially took Mount Rushmore under its jurisdiction. And by this point, it was now being called Mount Rushmore in all American circles. The first phase to be completed was Washington in 1934. And Washington, as the country's first president, is supposed to represent the birth of America. Jefferson was finished in 1936. Um, Jefferson, who nearly doubled the U.S.'s size with Louisiana Purchase was uh, emblematic of our westward expansion, our manifest destiny, if you will. Sure. You love to see it. Not in, th- not in this context, but you do love to see it. Absolutely. Um, 1937, Abraham Lincoln is finished. He's selected for having preserved the nation during the Civil War. And finally, in 1939, Teddy Roosevelt is finished. Um, he'd overseen the construction of the Panama Canal, which was seen as a symbol of economic growth. So they really kind of covered everything there that was great about America. And then in 1938, so before T. Roosevelt was finished, like the year before, Borglum decided... Did you just call him T. Roosevelt? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I'm glad you called me out. I needed to repent for that. I had an immediate... No, I like it. it. It's like he's, you know, like one of those guys... It was like T. Jeff. like one of those guys on on LinkedIn that's like Uh T. Edward Roosevelt. Uh Uh-huh. Or something. I have regrets, but you know what? You live and you learn when you're live podcasting. Uh Uh-huh. So the year before Teddy was finished, Borglum decided he wasn't content with just doing, like, sculptures of men, and he wanted to blast a tunnel in behind the mountain to serve as this hall of records. And in Borglum's crazy, deranged, KKK-liking mind, he was like, this is where we're going to store all of the most important primary U.S. documents, including the Declaration of Independence. Okay. And the Constitution. (laughs) He's like, we're going to take all of this stuff and put them in my hall of records in a tunnel inside Mount Rushmore. And that is when the government put its foot down. And they were like, you know what, Borglum? <laughs> you have been we, a little bit too much power over these Black Hills. We, we, like, we really appreciate what you've done here, but like the 70-foot tunnel was too much, and we we're simply not going to turn over all of the U.S.'s primary documents to, to put in a South Dakota tunnel. I don't like, even think all of those things should be in one place. Yeah, he was simply crazy. So it really sat empty, this whole last tunnel, for decades until 1998 when the National Park Service put, like, a titanium vault in the floor and filled it with information that was specifically pertaining to Mount Rushmore, but, like, not the Declaration of Independence. So, Borgman was sad about it. What can you do? Carving was finally finished in 1941. Amazingly, for the time, there was not a single fatality during the construction of Mount Rushmore, which is pretty impressive. Wow. I know. Borglum ended up dying of an embolism in March 1941, and his son Lincoln ended up continuing the project. Um, one can only hope Lincoln was not as bigoted as his father. 
Yeah, so basically, it ended up costing the U.S. close to a million dollars at the time, which in today's currency is about like $17 million. So not the cheapest undertaking in the name of tourism, but also not the most expensive. Yeah, it clear middle ground there. But had they had they gone for the Hall of Records, that would have been more. The Hall of Records was going to break the bank. That was ultimately what like pulled the plug. And also that they weren't going to turn over all of these records. Like, okay. Silly thing. Not to interrupt or change the subject, but <laughs> this is a deep cut. All man, this is calling all manifestors. I'm really hoping Rebecca has seen this. But have you ever seen Richie Rich too? <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely not seen Richie okay. Rich 1 or okay. Richie Rich Okay, so 2. Richie Rich was this amazing movie. Did you see, did you know about that? No, I have never heard of this in my okay, life. Okay, his name was Rich, Rich E. Rich, and he so was- This is a fictional character. This, you know, Rebecca, there's a real guy named Richie Rich, I mean, and he's you don't know. really, really rich. No, yeah. So it's like a, it's like a Disney movie. Okay, it's not like a, it's like not a DCOM. It's not a Disney Channel original movie, but it was like, you know how Disney used to buy movies that had already been made and yes, then show yes. them? Such as Blank Check or, or Suzy Q. Uh-huh. These, these are all deep cuts. But um, but so anyway, so Richie Rich was about like a kid whose parents were just like super loaded and like he had a McDonald's in his house. Ha- like he had like his own wing of the house. And this was literally just like capitalist porn for like children. But like he had like a working McDonald's in his bedroom. And I remember being like, I need this as a child. And like his whole life was like, whatever. I don't remember the plot of the first movie. But the second movie was, like, this guy broke in and was, like, we stole all your riches. Like, we're going to steal the riches. That was their last name because it was subtle. Rich, rich, e, okay, Richie Rich 2, Tunnel in Mountain. I'm just Googling. I'm just doing some light Googling because. This is live history, folks. This is live history? Oh, yeah, no. So, Richie Rich's Christmas Wish. Okay, so I'll just. I will, I will save you guys by telling you that. So basically, whatever. Richie Rich is doing all this <laughs> stuff, and they're trying to steal his parents, his family's money, because they're like, oh, this is the code to our secret. We have, like, a secret thing inside of a mountain, like, right next to Mount Rushmore. So it was, like, right next to Mount Rushmore, Richie Rich's family had, like, a So it was literal, literally the Hall of yeah, Records. it was literally the Hall of Records where they kept all their riches. So the whole movie is about them breaking into their Hall of Records, and then they get there, and they're like, Okay, you feel free to cut out literally all no, of No, no, I honestly think this is absolutely I don't know why it's tangent. coming back to me in an I have a whole section at the end about way. Mount Rushmore and pop culture, and, like, this absolutely escaped me. So this um, is absolutely Well, I don't relevant. know if they said that it was actually Richie Rich's, like, I don't Hall know if they records. actually, <laughs> I, I don't know if they actually said, but it was definitely a tunnel inside of a mountain that definitely. I mean, definitely inspired by. Yeah. That's enough yeah. for Borgloom. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So Richie Rich Mount Rushmore is a frequently searched thing on Google. Okay. Wow. Oh, the holy SEO is strong. Wow. Okay. Are you unlocking like childhood memories right now? Okay. Sorry. I will just read you this. So they're eventually led to Mount Rushmore. This is after a lot of plot. A gigantic. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Instead of Mount Rushmore, it's called Mount Richmore. Stop. So it is very much inside by Mount Rushmore. So it's called Mount Richmore. A gigantic mountainside sculpture of the three rich members' heads where the vault is located. So it's literally, I mean, yes. how factual of Richie Rich too. But it's, but it's, little, no, no, no. But on Mount Richmore, it has the mom, the dad, and little Richie. Are that doesn't matter. This. The fact that they're referencing the Hall of Records. I'm like, this is a deep historical cut that these writers of this movie... They did their work. They did their history. They really, they must have because I, well, okay. That's not a coincidence. So here's the punchline and I'll, I'll just read it to you. The bad guy finally gets there and then he's like, that's where we keep our riches in Mount Richmore, of course, and inside Mount Richmore in this tunnel in our hall of records. And then it says there, he is furious when he sees that the vault holds the richest families, the rich family's most precious memories and keepsake treasures, but nothing. Of monetary value. So there's this scene where the guy gets there and he's like, where's all the money? And the mom is like, what money? This is this is what really matters. These pictures, these family videos. And like, this is like little Richie's first foot, 
footprints into the sand. Wow, wow, I have chills. I mean, Little Richie 2 is our further reading so for yeah, this episode. So yeah, so Rich E. Rich. So last last week I um I recommended the Charter Oak Quarter, and this week I am recommending the 1994 Disney <laughs> film Richie Rich. Um, you I, heard it here first, Manifestors. You this had is it endorsed here first. by I think, Blair. I wonder if it's on Disney Plus. Um, I'll find out wow. for you guys. I've got so many plans for the next company retreat. <laughs> so true. So sorry. Go on. Well, I mean, that was a really nice, lighthearted, like, preamble to, like, the dark underbelly <laughs> of Mount Rushmore. The which is the, thing. The Lakota Sioux were really wronged during this, and they weren't happy. But you know what? They did not just, like, roll over and let this go. As early as 1939, the Sioux were like, what are we going to do about this travesty? How are we going to, like, bring this injustice to light? So their first move was they hired a sculptor to basically make their answer to Mount Rushmore, like a little re- a little rebuttal by making a sculpture, which you just love to see. So they wanted to create this thing called the Crazy Horse Memorial. They started it in, they hired the sculptor in 1939, and then he ends up dying, though like a long period of time goes by. It's not like this guy died tragically young. Like they hired him in 1939, and he dies in 1982, and the project was still unfinished. But Construction has continued to go on to this day, and they're marketing it as the world's largest mountain carving still in progress. So, as we speak, the Crazy Horse Memorial, the long overdue (laughs) fuck you answer to Mount Rushmore, is in progress, which, you know, I'm all about. I do. I I obviously know that it was, like, kind of a sacred Native American area, but there's a really good picture of, like, just a bunch of Lakota Sioux, like, flipping off Mount Rushmore. Well, we'll get to it. Oh, okay. All right. Get into it. Get into it. Well, the first thing was in 1971, because everybody was protesting everything in 1971, there was an occupation at Mount Rushmore um, that was trying to rename it Mount Crazy Horse. Uh, They planted a prayer staff on top of the mountain, and the Lakota holy man, whose name was uh, John Fire Lame Deer, said that the staff formed a symbolic shroud over the president's faces, which, quote, shall remain dirty until the treaties concerning the Black Hills are fulfilled, which stands to this day. There is a shroud over Mount Rushmore, and I believe it. So in 1980, the U.S. Supreme Court actually decided that the Sioux had not received just compensation for their land because it was literally stolen from them, uh, and they proposed a $102 million settlement for the loss of the Black Hills, Though the land was valued at like $1.3 billion at that point, and then it's nearly $2 billion today. So in 2020, um, the Lakota said that they would not be accepting the settlement because they're not going to settle for anything less than the full return of our lands as stipulated by the treaties our nation signed and agreed upon, which agreed. In 2004, the Parks Department appointed the first Native American as the superintendent of the park, and his name is Gerard Baker. I believe he's still serving, um, which was great. Wow. And then the picture you were referring to with everyone flipping everyone off happened in July 2020 when Donald Trump had a campaign rally at Mount Rushmore, which was very much to like push through the message that he thought he should be added to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and there was obviously lots of indigenous Americans that were protesting that because Trump is an asshole. But of course, this is America, so 20 indigenous people were arrested during that protest, which is terrible. God, Rebecca, you are going to be arrested at the end Me? of this podcast. Yeah, sometimes I Why? I don't know. What? You're just such an anarchist. I'm not an anarchist. I don't know. Peaceful protest. Okay. okay. And it's their land. All right. Fuck that. Anyways, Trump is not the first person that wanted to be added to Mount Rushmore. As early as 1937, there were petitions going around to add additional heads, specifically in 1937 to add uh, Susan B. Anthony, and that was really perpetuated by Eleanor Roosevelt, who was like, get Susan B. up there with those men. But at that point, the U.S. government was like, ooh, I'm so sorry. We have just simply run out of money. Borglum tried to build this whole-ass hall of records, and it bankrupted us, so we cannot add Susan, much as we would love to but they wouldn't love to. They also tried to add John F. Kennedy after his assassination. There was a couple like debates in Congress um, about adding Reagan. Um, and then Barack Obama was also asked about being added, and he like famously joked that his ears were too big to be on Mount Rushmore. Okay, well, I, I thought, so I didn't know much about this, but I thought that every president was supposed to represent a stage in the nation's life. 
Yeah, so yeah, George so it's like Washington's George's birth. birth. Yeah, so uh, Thomas Jefferson's expansion, birth, expansion, preservation, um, preservation, and development. Yeah, and development. Okay, so but there's been like conversations about like modern presidents and like you know Barack Obama being the first African African American president. Like the symbolism works. And the argument stands. I don't know really what the argument for Reagan would be. I can understand JFK. I can understand Susan B. Anthony, like, is a little bit of a reach because she wasn't a president. And this does seem to be, like, a presidential <laughs> thing. But, like, no shade to that Susan B. That would be, no shade to Susan B., but that would be hilarious. <laughs> Which one of these is not like the other Susan B. Anthony on? So they ran a survey in the New York Times in 2018 asking political science experts who they would like to see potentially added to Mount Rushmore. Any guesses who the majority voted for? Of modern presidents? Of any president that's not on Mount Rushmore. Of New York Times voters? New York Times polled political science experts. Okay. So actual historians, like educated people, not just like the average American because Trump would have won. Who would you think? Um, I guess Clinton. Clinton? I don't know. People fucking love you that think guy. I did not have sex with that woman. Bill Clinton is who poli sci experts are voting to put well, on the okay, face of Mount Rushmore. I just don't understand. Get the fuck out of here. This is just like a weird thought experiment for them. It was a survey <laughs> the New York Times ran in well, I 2018. Get, okay. Okay, fine. Who is it? FDR. Oh, okay. Yeah, sixty-six percent. That makes more voted sense. for FDR. Obama came in. Okay, the at fact 7%. that the number is sixty-six percent makes me think that they asked for that they asked three people and two I people mean, said first FDR. Of all, FDR and was president for longer than anyone else. That's true. Shout so snaps for FDR. He did some bad things and he did some good things. He soothed an anxious nation. I mean, you yourself have done a whole idea on him. That's. I mean, that's true of any president. I think it'd be a little weird to have both Teddy and Franklin up there, but you yeah. know what? I kind of get because, it. Because, you know, their families had beef. We've talked about yeah. it a little, but they were yeah. like, I'm an Oyster Bay Roosevelt. I don't know what the hell he's doing over there. Yeah. But go on. Go on. Yeah. No, I mean, that's really it. It was just very interesting. The next, like, highest response was Barack Obama, but, like, at 7%. So, really, like, the vast majority of people were FDR all the way. I wonder what he would represent, though, you know? I mean, just, like longevity, fortitude, American resilience, getting involved in other people's affairs, <laughs> yeah. gossip. <laughs> gossip. There definitely yeah. needs to be a gossip Media. I mean, like, he, I think he represents a lot of stuff. I Okay, you're right, you're right. Okay, yeah. FDR. I'll take it. The only other stuff I really have um, are just some random facts. Mount Rushmore was used as a setting of the final chase scene in Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Um, there was a lot of controversy surrounding it because he wasn't given permission to actually film on Mount Rushmore. Um, and he promised he wouldn't, but then like straight up did. So classic. classic. Hitchcock was a dick like that. I mean, don't ask for permission. Yeah, exactly. The Hall of Records played a significant role in National Treasure Book of Secrets, <laughs> which I haven't had the pleasure I of seeing. I think I saw that either. I think so. I rich think I be rich thought... and National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> Further reading. Further reading for the VOD. Okay. Wow. And the only other stat I really have here is that 3 million people visit Mount Rushmore a year, so it definitely, like, did what it was supposed to in terms of tourism. And there's also, like, this really specific type of mountain goat that live on uh, Mount Rushmore because they were gifted to Custer State Park by Canada in 1924. So next time you're on Mount Rushmore, look out for this really specific type of goat. And that's all I got. Justice for the Lakota Sioux. Fuck white supremacy. That's that's it. That's on that. Wow. Okay. Well, great job, Rebecca. Very gr- thorough research, I must say. Unfortunately, what you're about to hear, <laughs> a little bit less thorough. A little bit less thorough. very interesting that I feel like we're both doing things unintentionally we're both doing um, Native American stuff and what we're talking about is literally the same like we're in the same area like exact same area like the North Dakota Montana area which I don't think we've ever discussed on this podcast before because let's be honest it doesn't come up too much 
But yeah, so this is like, not only is it a Native American episode, it's like a shout out to North Dakota generally episode, which yeah. you ultimately love to see. But so that was my little bit of a teaser. So I'm going to be doing Sacagawea today. Ugh. However, I just want to get this out of the way and we'll get into it. But it's not Sacagawea, it's Sacagawea. So, so it's a hard G, and like on a lot of spellings, it's two Ks. Like Sakakawea. Cool. So I have lived many years of my life saying Sakajawea. So for the purposes of this ID, I'm just going to say Sakajawea instead of Sakagawea, just because I think it'll slow us down. But as you'll see, it's actually a very controversial thing, and if you want to if you are a friend of Sakakawea, you are you're saying it with a hard G or with a K. So I'm gonna try and after I after I tell you all this, I'm taking some time out to reprogram myself, but it wow. was just a lot to take on. Yeah, so, fair. So I'm gonna try and say Sakakawea Sakagawea. Listen, but if it's gonna take you forty five minutes to get out a twenty minute ID, just go with it, what you're comfortable exactly. with. But I appreciate the PSA. It, that's just a PSA. I'm I'm following my truth though, and I I am going to recommit. You're gonna do better. I'm gonna do better. Yeah. When you know better, you do better. That's what Oprah says. So, let's talk Sacagawea. You're right. You know what? I'm not even I'm not even gonna try to correct myself, but it's Sacagawea, and apparently saying it that way is extremely offensive to a very large segment of people. We'll get into it. So. We have Sacagawea, who was born in May of 1788, which I actually thought was really early. Like, I was surprised that she was born in the 1700s because she's so famous for helping the Lewis and Clark expedition um, explore the Louisiana Territory, which, as we know, shout out to Thomas Jefferson on Mount Rushmore. He, he nearly doubled the size of our nation by buying Louisiana Territory in 1803, but no one had any idea what was over there, like literally at all. So Lewis and Clark were commissioned to find out what was over there, and I don't want to give them too much lip service because I really want to focus on Sacagawea. So let's just start with her, and then we'll get into the expedition. But basically... She was born in 1788 into the Lemhi Shoshone tribe near present-day um, Salmon, Idaho. So cool. this is, like, right at the Idaho-Montana border. And it's wild because I was in Montana this summer, and it's really Sacagawea everything everywhere. So she's very, very famous in that, like, specifically, she's very exalted in that area of the country. And it should also be noted that people said that she might be the most reproduced, like she might have the most statues of any woman in America. Cool. Isn't that crazy? But I guess who else would have more statues than her? Yeah. And plus Susan B. Anthony. (laughs) Maybe Susan B. Anthony, but I guess also just all around the American West, it's like they're kind of... Like she, this, this expedition she went on spans so many thousands of miles that it's like, it's relevant. But so anyway, starts out with, so she's born into this, this tribe. They're known as the salmon eaters, the Ajadika. I don't want to slaughter that, but I just know it's salmon eater. And um, so they're right on a river and she's in Idaho. It's right near the continental divide. And in 1800, she's about 12 years old. And another tribe, the Hitsdatsa, takes her and several other girls around her age, 12 years old. Like, so basically, like, childbearing-ish age, but not old enough to actually be married, were taken captive in a war by the Hidatsa. Um, And it, in this crazy raid that results in a lot of men being killed, a lot of Shoshone men being killed, Four men, four women, and and several boys were killed in this raid. And they took her hostage in a village close to present-day Washburn, North Dakota. So, again, we're now in North Dakota. Again, we're spending a whole episode yeah, of Manifest wow. Destiny in North Dakota. So, at about age... About age thirteen, this is this is dark. She's sold into a non-consensual marriage 
to Toissaint Chabonneur, a Quebecois fur trapper um, who about two decades earlier had lived in the Hidatsa village that had kidnapped her and she was being held. Um, and he buys her when she's 13, as well as another woman um, known as Otter Woman as a wa- for a wife. Do you know I had a teacher in school named Otter Woman? I did know that about you, yes. Yeah. You knew I was going to bring it up, too, you dog. I was waiting for it. I was, I was, you know, teeing you up. That's what they say in the biz. Yeah. So I wonder if she's maybe, like, could be a descendant Otter Woman. I mean, I can ask her. I'm still connected with her. I mean, she's probably very proud. Like, oh, yeah. So it's even rumored that he might have won Sacagawea and Otter Woman while gambling. So that should just give you some idea of frontier life and how messed up it was. Not su- not a situation you want to be a 13-year-old girl in. No. So that's all happening in 1800 before the Louisiana Purchase. We don't know much about the intervening years. We also don't know much about like the nature of her marriage to Saint Charbonneau. To but we do know that, like, it was ultimately a successful marriage because basically the Corpse of Discovery, this, that's what Lewis and Clark called their, like, gang of people that were trying to map everything. They arrived near the Hidatsa villages and they interviewed a bunch of trappers that might be able to interpret or guide the expedition up the Missouri River in the springtime. And they're like, oh, we'll spend the winter here and figure it out. And they are like, we need, we want the knowledge of the Shoshone tribes, even though we're in this other area, um, who live in the headwaters of the Missouri. So they hire Toussaint Charbonneau, not just because he's a really good trapper and he's a successful trapper, but they also know that his wife is Sacagawea, who is, um, who speaks Shoshone and is about is pregnant with her child her first child at the time so this is four years later so she's about 17 ish um and she is with child so we don't know the nature of this marriage but we do have a pretty good idea that it's at least like somewhat happy but Sacagawea still speaks Shoshone well and Toussaint Charbonneau was basically hired because he had a native wife that could help them as well so, um, Charbonneau and Sacagawea move into the, the expedition, the Corpse of Discovery Fort, a couple weeks later, um, and she strikes up this, like, very intense friendship with Clark. So, he nicknames her Jamie, Janie. Intense friendship being, like, well, so that's, friends that touch. So that's the thing. It's like, we don't know if they're friends that touch. There's a lot of letters. There's nothing that really suggests it. Like, it talks a lot about how Sacagawea did favors for Clark a lot. But it's like, it's like a very sexualized thing. And, and I don't know. There's a lot of debate that goes on. I mean, we'll get into it. But basically, it talks about how... Like, there's a couple of, like, novelist, like, novelized versions of the Lewis and Clark expedition tried to glamorize and, like, sexualize Sacagawea and be, like, her and, her and Clark were totally fucking type of thing. But that there's not really much evidence that suggests that was the case, but it's, like, a game of telephone where it's, like, oh, he really respected her and valued her became, like, they were totally hooking up. Wow. So, yeah. So, you're part of the problem, Rebecca, that you're... Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I feel complicit. <laughs> I feel dirty. But I love to ship. I, I am a stan and a shipper at my core. Yes. Yeah. You're just... You're on the side of love, and I get that. I am, too. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there, unfortunately. But I... I mean, I like a, the idea of, like, a, a will-they-won't-they friendship, too. Just, like, one of those, like, unfulfilled, yeah. lingering things that, like, on your deathbed, you're like, huh, I wonder... If that would have ever been something. So I can get that I have at least two of those going on at any given time. If you you should know something about me, it's that. But um, anyway, so before the expedition, on February 11th, 1805, um, Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau is born, who is Sacagawea's and her husband's son. Um, So even though he's the most French-ass name ever, he's definitely, definitely half um, Shoshone. And... They also, well, to, to speed the delivery, they crush rattlesnake rattles in water, which is apparently something that helps. Um, 
And so basically they call the boy Little Pomp or Pompey. I don't know why, but oh, everybody loves Pompey. this baby. So this the baby's born in February. In April, they, the expedition leaves and they head up the north, the Missouri, the Missouri River. So basically in, 18, uh, in May, in 1805, there's like, they're pulling up the river, which if you played Oregon Trail, you know, is like literally yes, just all yes. your stuff is on a raft and you're using a pole trying to get up. So stressful. So stressful. And they started to lose all of this stuff, like their journals, records of everything, like the boat capsides. It's a crazy thing. And Sacagawea has the presence of mind to save all the records, all the valuable stuff, and keep her infant son, who's literally three months old, alive. Like, everybody else is, like, freaking out, and she's like, no, I'm going to take care of everything. So they named the river after her in honor of that event um, later in the month. And then they are trying to cross the Rocky Mountains a couple months later, and Sacagawea is able to interpret and discover that talk about crazy cameos the tribe's chief of the place in the rockies was her brother who had also kind of been kidnapped and ended up in a different area so not so sacagawea going on this expedition hundreds of miles from where she was was reunited with family which is kind of beautiful wow they were her nation so anyway, ultimately, they get to the mouth of the Columbia River. Um, Sacagawea gives up her beaded belt to enable the captains to trade for, fur, for a fur robe they wish to bring back to President Thomas Jefferson, which you love to see. And I also just like to imagine TJ in the fur robe. <laughs> Naked? Like, I don't know. He's, he's in his skivvies at the very least. Oh, God. So, basically, there's instance after instance on this expedition. I won't go into all of the, like, minutia, but she was just a badass. Like, she just knew exactly what to do. And I cannot stress this enough. Like, basically, Lewis and Clark have Sacagawea to thank for their success in mapping out and exploring the Louisiana Purchase because... Time and time again in the journals, they never stop talking about how Sacagawea made other Native Americans and Indians feel comfortable when they saw that, like, oh, these are white guys. They've never seen a white person before ever in their lives. They're like, what's going on? I'm obviously terrified. But they see that there's, like, a Native woman with them with a young, literal infant in her, in her like, a bundled-up child. So they talk about situations that kind of, like, could have gotten super tense or escalated really quickly. But, like, Sacagawea was able to diffuse it by, like, A, her presence. And also she was really able to act as translator and also just, like, a mediator between, like, even when she didn't speak the language, she was apparently just so good with people that, like, it just really helped that she was there. Wow. I know. So literally... There, so Clark specifically is obsessed with her, and literally, he writes like at the end of the expedition, he tries to like take their son, Pompey, as they call him, like classic the, Pompey. They're literally like I. He's Clark. Literally writes Charbonneau, Sacagawea's husband, being like, "Can you please give me your son? I would like to raise him as my own child. Like I don't want him to grow up in this wilderness. Like." Janie, that's what that's what he called Sacagawea. He called her Janie because this white man never heard a name he couldn't turn into a white name. So he's like, Janie, you can come along and take care of the boy until I get him. And so basically this ends, like, so they've traveled together for like a year, very successful time kind of finding different trails, making inroads with Native Americans and also kind of mapping out the Louisiana Purchase and figuring out what the hell Thomas Jefferson just bought. And there's a really close relationship between Clark specifically and this couple, Charbonneau, and Sacagawea. Charbonneau is, again, his her husband. Um, so we can at least assume, even though it was an involuntary marriage um, and she was sold into marriage slavery essentially it they do seem like at least some what you know happy together like it seems like he was a nice enough guy for buying two wives at auction 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, different time, obviously, but it did seem like they were somewhat happy. Um, so after the after the expedition, Charbonneau and Sacagawea sp- spent another three years among the Hidatsa before um, they accept William Clark, their best friend's invitation to settle in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Good old St. Louis. Good old Missouri. Shout out to Paige if you're listening. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And they entrusted Jean-Baptiste education to Clark. Um, so they enrolled the young man in the, like a boarding school in St. Louis, and Sacagawea has birth to an, a daughter, Lizette Charbonneau. The craziest part about doing this research was realizing that Sacagawea has like a daughter named Lizette Charbonneau. Like, the world is yeah. a crazy place. So she was also identified in adoption papers that rep- recognized William Clark as her father, as her adoptive father. So basically... It is believed she died in childhood because Clark's papers don't really mention Lizette again. But again, Clark essentially takes on their son and educates him and, like, literally is like, I'm your daddy now. So, sadly, in 1812, Sacagawea dies of an unknown illness. And just for context, that makes her 24 years old. So this Oh, my God. So she has two kids, but she... She has lived. She has lived. She's seen the wilderness. She ran into a long-lost brother in the she Rocky Mountains. She was an Mountains. influential figure. I mean, yeah. amazing. But sad. Yeah, very sad. And it, and she talked about in the 1812, it was like she became sickly and really wanted to visit her native country, like where she was originally Ugh. kidnapped from, which makes me really sad. Um, and she died of like, quote unquote, putrid fever. We don't know what that means or like whatever, what that even meant. But she was about 24, 25 years old, which is unbelievably sad. And Charbonneau, her husband, had already entrusted Baptiste, their son, to Clark's care. And um, in 1813, there's a attack on Fort Lisa. So 15 men were killed. And Sacagawea's young daughter survives that. And even though Charbonneau... So just for context, this is that one year after his 25-year-old wife dies, he was thought to be killed, but he actually lives the age of 76. So... We're all a little weirded out by that information, but what are you going to do? They did seem somewhat happy. So there's no, like, evidence as what caused this young woman's death? Like, which sickness? Like, like, we don't really know. Just, like, an unspecified sickness, but there's also, like, a Native American oral tradition, and this is cool, and, like, I choose to believe this, <laughs> that rather than dying in 1812, she just bounced on her husband, crossed the Great, the great Plains, and married into a Comanche tribe. Oh, hell yeah. That's and, what I'm And she is said to have returned to the Shoshone in 1860 in Wyoming, where she died in 1884, which would make her, like, in her 90s. Which, you know, I choose to believe. That's what she deserves, and I'm just throwing it out there. I, I don't know. If there's any justice in this world, that's what happened. Wow, I don't care if this is unverified tea. I am choosing to believe this. <laughs> it's not just unverified. It's like an oral tradition. It's like a literal sure, game like, of telephone. We teach the Odyssey all day long. That was oral tradition. The Bible is somewhat oral tradition. Yeah, now we're teaching this. Why not? This. Now we're teaching this. Can you pronounce the name correctly one more time for the fans and myself? Sacagawea? Sacagawea. So either Sacagawea. Sakakawea. So basically think of the C and the J as K's. Okay. Or you can just think of the G as just a hard G. So like a G. So Sakakawea. So you you understand how it gets messed up. Yeah, I do. But I I want to also undo my learned ignorance. Just total side note, Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau, her son, had like worldwide celebrity because Lewis and Clark's expedition was so famous and it was like one of those things he was like a doogie hauser he was like the world's first child star because everybody was like were you the baby in the in the bundle with Sacagawea and he was like I oh my sure God. was like, one of the same baby <laughs> so like literally he was like famous he gets to go to Europe he's like friends with all these royalty like becomes best friends with this German prince and just like you know just messes around in Europe and just like boozes hard for like a lot of his life 
And wow. then, yeah, so then he goes back to the West um, and, like, goes, joins the gold rush, whatever. He sadly, he dies um, of illness when he's 61, but it is just funny. He's, like, America's first child star. Wow. <laughs> because they're, wow. like, he is the little baby in Sacagawea's sack. But anyway, she is kind of been, she was a very integral figure in the suffragist movement like like that was when she there was like kind of a second rise to prominence in the early 1900s like up to 1920 when women got the vote because like suffragettes really clung on to like Sacagawea as like this woman who can do it all and was amazing and she obviously was amazing but yeah she was great but so, so she's had many lives and then her second another burst like a re a renaissance of fame was in of course the year 2000 when the Sacagawea coin came out people were wild people were wild about them and I'm not exaggerating Rebecca when I say that I have at least seven to ten Sacagawea coins wow in my parents house in my room like so you got a whole cache of them That's I was so impressive. into that I mean I've always been a hoarder but like looking yes. at that can confirm can confirm I was just like, I'm never letting these go. I was like, I thought they were the coolest things ever. And I wow. lo- and I loved telling people that. I was like, I was like, oh, you don't know who Sacagawea is? Like, she led Lewis and Clark's expedition. Um, but just a fun what fact. What do you know about history? Wow. Well, Amazing. Just another fun fact about those coins is that there's no really modern etching of her. Like, everything else is kind of done from imagination. Like, they really just have descriptions from Lewis and Clark's diaries. So the depiction of the woman with the baby that is Sacagawea on that coin is kind of like a composite of, like, Shoshone women. Like, they did their best, but that's not really based on any, like, knowledge we have about what she actually looks like. Okay, fair enough. So that's just worth mentioning. But, yeah, so my rec for this ID is the Sacagawea coin, if you can get your hands on one. (laughs) They're probably worth a lot now. I mean, it seems like you're a source. I am a source if you need one. Um, yeah, that's all I really have. Any questions? Any, any? I mean, no, that was so thorough and so interesting. And, you know, there was some real drama to it, too. I know. I mean, really shows you. First of all, I can't believe she died when she was 25. So many twists and turns. I didn't know that her husband was there the entire time. And that he also bought her when she was 13. So, yeah. dark stuff. Just a lot to take on. A dark lot to- a lot stuff. of stuff to peel back, but ultimately we should just be happy that she is celebrated for what she did because this is another thing where if Clark hadn't been so obsessed with her and, like, wrote about her all the time and he, she's in all the journals and stuff, like, she would just be another woman in history that nobody knows about because wow. they, they technically hired her husband. Like, oh, so yeah. So Clark's, like, creepy incel behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but her husband got, like, $500 and 460 acres of land for helping with the expedition. And $500 mm-hmm. back then, I can only assume, was, like, $2 million, whatever. Yeah. But also 460 acres of land is not a thing. And they did not compensate Sacagawea at all. Wow. I'll just, oh, I'll just leave that there. So the theme of this episode and others before it and others after it is <laughs> reparations for indigenous peoples. That's what we're going for. And we're going to, we're just going to keep podcasting till they're, until, until they are made. It happens. That's what we can do. We are going to be part of the solution because historically we've been part of the problem. That, yeah. Put that in a t-shirt. All right. All right. Add it to our arsenal. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's all I've got, Rebecca. That's it. Yeah, I mean, we so we to wrap up on our recommendations this week, we've got Rich E. Rich. We've got National Treasure. I don't even remember. Book of the, Secrets. Book, Book of, of Secrets, Secrets is classic. Yes, yeah, subtitle. Cage. And uh, Sacagawea dollars, if you can get them. And look at us coming in right at one hour. You were nervous, weren't you, that it was going to be too short? Yeah, you know, under promise, over deliver. That is the manifest destiny way. And plus, we might have to cut out some of the Richie Rich digression. I don't, I mean, I'm in control. Yeah, I'm the captain. You are, as always, the captain. And I thought that the Richie Rich tangent was valuable. Okay, you're right. So she's staying in. 
Well, we have love to visit with you. We love to hear your voices. Like, comment, subscribe at Manifest Destiny We'd Pod. love to hear your voices more. Like, give us feedback. Yeah, give, give us, us recommendations. And if that feedback is you want to be on the show, come on the show. Come on the show. We Doors will reschedule open. at least two or three times, but it'll happen eventually. Okay. Have an amazing week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Manifest Destiny, a millennial take on the American millennium. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a positive review on your preferred podcast platform, but only if you enjoyed it. Looking for a history fix in between episodes of Manifest Destiny? Be sure to follow us on Instagram at ManifestDestinyPod or visit us online at www.ManifestDestinyPodcast.com.